What's going on, everybody? Welcome, 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 welcome into the Bell Ringer podcast hosted by Sixers Wire of USA Today Sports Media Group. I am your host, the editor of the Sixers Wire site, Kai Carlin, and I'm still co-hostless. I'm still without like a, a uh, like a real co-host each and every week I record this podcast. I'm, I'm bouncing around co-host. Last time it was Ben DeBose of Rockets Wire. Uh, the week before the, the show before that, I had Nick Fryer, who is who I have with me today. Boston Celtic beat writer over at WEI up in Boston. He also covers the Brooklyn Nets for USA Today SMG over at Nets Wire. So make sure you guys check him out over there. Nick, welcome on to the podcast, brother. Hey, glad to be back. It's hard to replace Cam, though, in fairness. It is. It really is. I can't find anybody to just, like, be, do this with me every week. It's been tough. Yeah, especially when he was, like, he was the most logical guy you had on the show, too. Pro Batman guy, so, of course, I like him. I want to oh. set the tone early right now. No, no. Oh, my God. Batman sucks. Batman is an awful superhero, but he does make a good movie. I watched The Dark Knight earlier today. So. Oh, weird. And also, everybody uses the Batman and Robin analogy, too, in basketball all the time. I'm sure you love that. I hate it. I hate it. It should be like Optimus Prime and Bumblebee or something. I don't know. Like well, The Sixers got their Alfred now, apparently. Yeah, they did. The Philadelphia 76ers have hired Doc Rivers as their new head coach. And they just made that hire an hour ago as we are recording this October 1st, the day the Sixers have hired a new coach. So, Nick, you're up in Boston. You did mention to me before we hopped on that you didn't cover Doc Rivers too much. You, you, you know, you, you kind of began covering them during the Brad Stevens era. Mm. But what, what are your thoughts on, on this move? You know, Sixers bringing in Doc Rivers. He had a pretty good run with the Clippers, but they could never get out of round two. They blew a 3-1 lead twice. What can he do with, with this current Sixer team led by Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons? When I first saw him linked to the team, Kai, I was like, well, you I mean, yeah, it's Doc Rivers. Obviously, he's won a title before, and everybody respects him, and he's, you know, worked with some serious all-stars before. And his time with the Celtics, you know, won him that job in L.A. And then he's got that – he had that whole team, you know, with Chris Paul, Blake Griffin, and DeAndre Jordan at his height. And now this group that he, again, they kind of failed with, which the pandemic didn't help. I think we've, we've learned a little bit more about that team as we've gone along. I, I don't think it's – I mean, I, I like that higher more than D'Antoni. I like it more than Ty Lue. But I don't exactly love picking up Doc Rivers after he was a perennial underperformer for the, the, the Clippers. It didn't matter which era it was. And we saw what Chris Paul's done in OKC with a group that, yeah, solid guys, but not a team that's supposed to be a playoff team at all, not in the Western Conference. So, and he's old at this point. So I just, I think it's a good hire. I think it's the best option you had for like the, the proven coaches that you wanted, but I don't like, I'm not in love with this move. Now, see, I was pro Teron Lou. Okay. I, I was absolutely pro Teron Lou. The minute I saw that he was linked to that, to this team, I was like, oh, they have to hire Teron Lou. They have to. And then Mike D'Antoni became available and I was, and then that got linked. And I was actually really confused as, as to why D'Antoni got linked, but Ben DeBose of Rockets Wire, we had him on last time and Ben kind of broke it down in a different way for me. And then Doc Rivers came out and I mean, they reached out to Doc Rivers like an hour after, after he and the Clippers parted ways. It, it, was, <laughs> it was quick. So at that point, I was like, okay, he has to be the favorite now. He has to be. And then they flew him into Philadelphia Wednesday. He watched game one of the NBA finals with them, uh, with the Sixers brass, and then he left. And then today they offered him a deal here on October 1st. Now, I really do think, Nick, that he definitely underachieved with the Clippers. 
just because when you look back at the rosters that they had with Chris Paul, J.J. Redick, Blake Griffin, you mentioned DeAndre Jordan as well. They had a 3-1 lead in 2015, only to blow it to the Rockets. They had a 3-1 lead this year with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. That um, got blown, but as you mentioned, we learned a lot about that Clipper team recently over these last couple of weeks, That you know, ever since they've been eliminated. So I look at this Sixers team, and I kind of believe that he can take any, any aspect of this team and amplify it. Because, yeah. I, because I was thinking about it, Nick. I look back at his time with Boston, and I think from the 2007-08 year when they won the championship up until his final year with the Celtics, they were ranked in the top five in defensive rating five of those six seasons. Mm-hmm. The only time they were ranked outside the top five was his last season there, and they were ranked seventh. You know what I'm saying? So yep. I look at Philadelphia, the fact that they can become a very good defensive team. You got Simmons, you got Embiid, you have Josh Richardson. On top of that, Tobias Harris, actually, Tobias Harris's numbers are the best of his career during his time with the Clippers under Doc Rivers. So, so yeah, that's T- Tobias Harris is the next factor that I did overlook in the course of all this, too. He's played for him before. So I, I got to imagine that he's – he's supportive of this move if it's happening. I know he's not, you know, he doesn't have like veto power like Embiid might or, or Simmons might in this case. Right. But it's just, to me, the biggest thing is like, I, it's not, I don't know how much of it is a knock on Doc as it is the Sixers roster. Cause you know, I'm critical of him. I, just sure. don't, I don't know. It, yeah. Okay. Tobias Harris is going to buy in. How is everybody else going to buy into what Doc does? Because what was so important for Doc's success in Boston was he had that guy in KG who everybody could rally around. As much as Pierce is like, you know, was the face of the franchise for that era, KG right. was the dude the, the second he walked in the door. And then he gets there and then they start winning, you know, a title and, and making it to another. And that and he was a great defender. Everybody knows that. So you need to have a guy who you don't have to be KG, but can kind of carry on um, or take on a similar role that people are going to then follow him as well. Because if you, it, we see that with all these teams, and it's not just a basketball thing. It's everybody. You need that key player who can help you set the tone. And that's where doc will become more impactful. I don't know. Do you think that one of the Sixers guys can be that? What do you mean? Kind of be like that emotional leader to kind of like have somebody rally around them. Like, like Garnett was. Yeah. Because I don't, I mean, we didn't really see that in this, the last look now, actually I should have said this from the jump. This is definitely an upgrade from Brown. So Lou would have been too. Right. And Tony probably, probably would have been too, but not enough where I'm like, yeah, that's awesome. Whoa. Um, yeah. But I, but yeah, in looking back at the series against Celtics, you didn't have that emotionally. I know you didn't have Ben Simmons in the series, but you didn't have an emotional leader. It's like, Hey guys, like we're not going to win it, but let's have some freaking pride and not get our asses swept by these guys. The only one I can really see taking on that role is Josh Richardson. Okay. And, 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 it's, and it's because Richardson was the one that's kind of been real vocal about not having accountability. We need to be better. I want to cuss people out. And again, it's because he comes from that Miami Heat culture to where like if, if you weren't doing your job in Miami, you had Pat Riley coming down from the front office and cussing you out for not doing your job. And the same goes for, you know, Eric Spolstra as well. Mm-hmm. So it, it's like, I feel like Richardson is going to be the same thing here with Philadelphia. Maybe not to the extent that, you know, Garnett did in Boston, because I feel like Garnett, nobody really matches Garnett when it comes to emotional outbursts and being the leader, rah, rah. But Richardson is probably the closest guy on this roster because Ben's not going to do it. It's not Ben's personality. Uh, Joel's not going to do it. It's not Joel's personality. Uh, Joel is a recluse you know what I'm saying like Joel is a guy who will get who will dominate on the floor but as soon as that game's over he's going back home and playing video games he like he's even said it before 
Right. So, uh, you, I remember you telling me that, but the, my question though then becomes, because I think Richardson can do that. I agree with you 100%. That's definitely the person who would be looking at the roster. But it's what was so important with KG was he, his talent. His talent, he had the talent, he had the, the career numbers and everything to back it up. I mean, KG was a legend. Right. And then, you, like, but then you look at Richardson, and no disrespect to him, but I mean, I think he, he would say it himself, he's not KG. Oh, for opinion. sure. So no, but are they gonna? So are they gonna listen to him enough? Like again, they're not gonna listen to him like KG, but are they gonna listen to him enough? Like that. That's kind of what I'm saying. That's where the, I have the issue. I guess like the, I guess like the only example that I, I I could bring it up would be the only example I could bring up would be maybe when the team had a players only meeting. I think it was like in February or it was late January, and apparently Richardson was the one who led that meeting. And I remember, okay. and I remember Philadelphia won like three, four in a row after that, or and then like five, six, or six or seven, something like that, to kind of respond. And so that's really the only thing that I can really draw back on. Okay. But I totally get what you're saying because Richardson isn't the talent that Kevin Garnett is and was. Yeah. Kevin Garnett's a Hall of Famer. Mm-hmm. Josh Richardson's not going to the Hall of Fame. Like, like uh, you can buy a ticket. That's how he's going to get there. Right. Right. <laughs> so it's one of those things where you have to be able to back up, back up your play. And mm-hmm. Josh normally does it because, you know, Josh is, Josh is kind of the glue to this team when it comes to on the floor as a leader, that's kind of how it is right now. Um, when it comes, is he their best player? Obviously not. That would go to either Ben or Joel, my opinion, Ben, but I kind of look at Richardson as the guy to kind of be the vocal leader of this team and then try to fill that Garnett role that Rivers had with the Celtics. Okay. Well then, I mean, if, if he can, if he can do that, if he can commit to that, then, you know, you're kind of, then you're kind of in business. I mean, that, then you're working with something. But I, the big thing with doc too, is when you, I know like with, with um, pressures and everything, I know when, when, when Brett Brown, when you guys were up here and whatnot, he's, you know, he sounds a little bit different. He sounds like he's kind of, you know, talking in circles a lot of time and making stuff up on the fly out of nowhere. Um, that's just from my personal impressions and everything. I know you dealt with him far more than I did. But with with Doc, he's going to be more down to business, straightforward, all this stuff, tell it like it is. I think he'll be – like, look, Philly's uh, – I mean, you know you're there, but I think Philly is the worst market to be an athlete in. Um, you know, in terms of – like, in terms of how harsh people are because they can boo you – like they boo Santa Claus on Christmas over there. So they, that, threw Santa, they, they threw snowballs at Santa Claus. Okay, so so that's that's exactly what I'm getting at, right? <laughs> so it's, obviously, at least you're relevant and stuff. It's not like you're talking about playing in like in middle of nowhere, you know, in the south or something. But it's just it's tough. Doc can handle that type of pressure because the difference between Boston and Philly and New York is only so much. It's not like you're going from coaching in no disrespect like Memphis to then coaching right, so, right. Yeah. Right, and I mean, we also have to we also have to remember he coached in Los Angeles the last seven years. Granted, it was the Clippers, and it wasn't the Lakers, because I mean, the Clippers always play second fiddle to the Lakers no matter what. But it's one of those things to where Los Angeles also demands winning. Mm-hmm. So, again, like those markets you were just mentioning, Boston, L.A. Uh, he coached in Orlando to begin to begin his career. In Orlando's Orlando, they don't really count when it comes right. to. Like, no. sure when it comes to like pressure, cause there is none down there, but he's had it with both Boston and LA. And now that he's going to come to Philadelphia and he's going to deal with Simmons and Embiid, he's going to deal with, you know, us, the Philly media. And then he's also going to deal with a very passionate, passionate fan base that is starved 
for a winner, especially mm-hmm. when you especially when you consider the fact that the Phillies were a complete flop this summer. Uh, the, the the Eagles right now are struggling, and then the Flyers uh, they had a tough end of their postseason run in the NHL. So there's going to be a lot of pressure on Doc Rivers when uh, the NBA does eventually begin the 2020-21 season. We don't know when that's going to be, but yeah. So basically, what you're telling me is that Philadelphia professional Philadelphia sports is the only thing that's normal about 2020. Yeah, it's the only thing. I'm yeah, telling you it's the only thing. It's the only thing. Uh, well, the Tigers sucked this year too, right? So at least that happened. I, I mean, listen, I, I will take that though. I, I, I'll take the – I think they have the third or fourth pick in the MLB draft. So I'm perfectly fine with that. Detroit Tigers, keep that rebuild going, man. Uh, <laughs> but, it, but going back to the Doc stuff real quick. So when, when it comes to his stuff in, like, in the uh, LA and whatnot, the reason I don't cite – them necessarily as an example because yes like you said they're second fiddle to the lakers but talk also underperformed there the big thing for me though was i never felt like at least on the like it never felt like from from on the outside watching listening to what he said all these different things it didn't feel like he was crumbling under the pressure i know things got out of control this year but this is a whole new group of guys it was a mess with with paul george and you're you're dealing with injuries and obviously the pandemic and everything is going to throw stuff off but i think by and large he did fine while he was with the Clippers, I mean, yep. that, the rosters that he had, it was a problem. One thing that I'm curious where you stand on with this. Now, like I said, I like the hire for Doc. I don't love it, but I think it's more to do with the roster that he's dealing with. Because I, I honestly don't know how Ben Simmons is going to do when it comes to buying into all this stuff, being invested, handling Doc's intensity, all those things. Because I, I, that, to me, is going to speak a lot to – how it goes with Doc is going to speak a lot to – Ben Simmons in his future because this is a guy who across the league by players I you know I get I get he had problems this year with the Clippers but he has always been a very well respected coach if Ben Simmons isn't buying in same goes for Embiid but I just feel more skeptical about Simmons if he can't buy in then it's like who who can coach this guy who can turn this guy into a winner because if he can't then you got problems with Ben you know what because I mean you do bring up a good point because Ben really couldn't handle the intensity of Jimmy Butler. Mm-hmm. So now that it's going to be coming from a coach like Doc, right. it's going to be interesting to see how he responds to it. So it's a fair point. I will say this, though. I do think Ben is Philadelphia's best player. Mm-hmm. So I, like, like I, I will say that he's probably their best uh, over Joel. Well, I still take Embiid, but either way, like I, I, I understand. Like they both, there's a lot of talent there. There's a lot of talent with Embiid. It's just that when I look at Embiid, as much as he can be frustrating, I could see him saying like, "Okay, look, Chris Paul really like this guy, um, uh, 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 Blake Griffin, KG, all these guys. They have his respect. I could see Embiid then being like giving him a legitimate chance, buying in, and all this stuff. Ben Simmons, to me, I just feel like Ben Simmons because you. It, I know Embiid's aloof, but Ben Simmons just seems like he's floating all the time. Like he's just out to lunch, just in general, when I see him walking around, playing, whatever. But, and that's why with Doc, as much as, you know, if he doesn't win there, it's like, oh, you know, he didn't win again. I'm not going to, I don't know if I'll look at this and say, yeah, Doc underperformed. We look at it and say, there's a problem there with these two superstars. And the first guy I tend to think would be the problem is Simmons. Because again, you bring up the Butler stuff, we see where he's at right now. Yeah, I mean, it's totally fair. It's going to be interesting to kind of see how he responds to all of this. But do you think maybe that intensity is going to maybe get Ben to unlocks, uh, unlock other parts of his game? Um, you know, because during the bubble, Brett Brown moved him to the power forward spot. Uh, you have to assume Doc probably ha- has the same idea. 
you know, to bring Ben and, and, you know, leave him there. But another thing is Doc compared Ben and Joel to Magic and Kareem back Mm -hmm. in February. He said that those, he said that, you know, they have kind of those same types of, uh, those same types of games. So I, I see it as maybe Doc really has an idea in his head to try to unlock both of their games. And if Doc can get, you know, the most out of DeAndre Jordan, imagine what he can do with, you know, Joel Embiid. And absolutely, because he turned DeAndre Jordan into an all-star and an all-NBA first-teamer. You know what I'm saying? And DeAndre Jordan is Jordan is literally just a lob it up and I'm going to go get it type of player. Right, right. And I, I think, yeah, they, look, they, he definitely can turn, unlock something with him. I, I completely agree with that. Um, I, I think with Embiid, I just feel like it's more inclined to happen. But again, I just have a, high, a little bit of a higher opinion of Embiid than you do when comparing the two players. If he's looking at him and saying, I think this could be, they're like Kareem in Magic. If he sees that and he can make adjustments to their game along the way, then that's awesome. I mean, then that's huge for the Sixers because then, yeah, now, now you're in business. To me, what that says is with, when it comes to Kareem and Embiid, he wants him to be in the post more. I'm sure he's still going to have him shoot threes and Bede's going to want to do it. So he's going to do it, but he's probably going to talk to him more about, look, you can be that dominant force in the paint and there is no one that's going to stop you. To me, that's like, that screams more. I would say, I don't want to say he's Shaq. Obviously he's not Shaq. No one was Shaq, but who, who the right. hell is Kareem? No one's Kareem either. No one could stop his skyhook. The point is, I think that Embiid, because he's so dense, because the way everybody else in the league has, uh, when I say dense, I mean physically, and the way the rest of the league is involved with a big man, I think he can, and I think a lot of other people think is that he can back guys down more and be unstoppable in the post, more like Shaq as opposed to Kareem who had that finesse move. With Simmons, what that says to me is if he's going to try and turn him into magic, then he's going to say, Ben, get the ball and get going or, or get out and start the fast break right away up the rebound. That's the stuff he's going to want him to do. And, and that's what he should be doing if Ben Simmons isn't going to be shooting because that's why he's going to have sweet trouble in the, the half-court offense. Get him going. Get it started. Give me the Showtime Sixers. Right. And, and I think that's why Brett Brown moved Ben to the four. That way he's closer to the basket, grab a board and go. And I, and I, I feel like, like that's why they moved him there. Now, I have the quote here from Doc Rivers. He said, Embiid is a better scorer, obviously, but Simmons has the ball. He's more like Magic. Magic and Kareem in some ways, where Magic had the ball and he was creating and getting everybody involved. And then you get the ball to Kareem and he scores. Embiid is tough because he can do both. Stretch fives are very difficult. He's a post five that can, that can also stretch five. Those guys are tough. So to your point about Embiid wanting to shoot more threes and also being able to post up, I, I mean, if Joel can come back and shoot I don't know, Nick, 36% from deep at least, mm-hmm. 35. I mean, the Sixers really could be in business there with those trailing threes from Joel on a fast break. Be huge for them. Yeah, if yeah, if Joel Embiid is shooting league average from three, you're in business. You're, you're working because then he's – but he just can't be jacking up too many if that's the case either. You know, just a few times a game, nothing nuts. And then do what you do in the post because you are a machine. I mean, even when the Celtics were giving him those, those mid-range jumpers – He's still knocking down a you know, decent amount of them, and people are going to give you that. And if you can make them, then you should be taking them. Like that's, those are the people that are, you know, quote, allowed to take um, you know, mid-range stuff. But, yeah, I, I think I like that idea. I just – part of me wonders, do you, does Doc keep him at the force so we can get the rebound and get going? Or do you want to have him still you know, playing on the perimeter in general, guarding you know, maybe a three, maybe a two, whatever. Obviously, he has the length to do 
uh, to, to guard a four, but you still want to get him out there a little bit to jumpstart that fast break. Because once he gets going, he's I mean, like he's going to the rim and he gets a full head of steam. You're not going to stop him. So I almost think it's better off to not start him off so close to the basket rather than have him be like an outlet. Right. I can see that. I can see what you're saying because you don't want him like burning all of his energy going, you know, you know, baseline to baseline just like that. So I, it's right. really, I totally get it. It's going to be interesting to kind of see like what Doc does with that because I was totally on board with power forward Ben Simmons mm-hmm. when, when Brett moved him there. But when you put it in that sense, you know, we have Joe Well and you know what? Al Horford is another guy that, you know, you have to think about in this situation too. And Doc had a good quote about Al in March uh, when the Sixers were out in LA to play the Clippers. He, he, you know, he pretty much just heaped praise upon praise upon Al Horford saying, it's going to work out for them. He, he's a player who does whatever it takes to win. I mean, you, you, you put him next to Ben and Joel, they'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. So that, that's another one. Doc had a good quote about Al Horford back in March. So, I, again, though, I mean, does he bring Al Horford off the bench? Does he put Al Horford back on the starting lineup? Does he continue to roll with Shake Milton? There are, just, there are so, many, so many things that the Sixers are, are going to kind of roll with. And I see you smiling, so don't even bring don't, – don't bring up the, the Brett Brown quote. <laughs> I need you to ask Doc Rivers, what is his comp for Shake Milton? Is it Bruce Bowen or is it somebody else? Because my earth – it's going to be earth-shouting for me if it's not Bruce Bowen. I don't know what I'm going to do anymore. <laughs> and you know, you know what, Nick? Actually, I went back into my um, – I was going through old, like, Brett Brown-isms on my tape recorder, like, a while – like, during the pandemic, because what else did I have to do? And I realized it wasn't Bruce Bowen. It was Danny Green that he compared oh, Shake Milton to. Oh, no. No, how did he, oh, I don't even know what to do now. Even, I know. Oh, I know. I know. I messed up. I messed up. I thought, I thought he said Bowen, but I went back and I was like, oh, he compared him to Danny Green. That's, you know, the, that's the spur he was talking about. You know, you may still be able to do this because Doc is now just getting hired and everything, but, like, on a day after – Doc, uh, like after this kind of calms down, so maybe Sunday for Monday or something like that, looking back on, on Brett Brown's time and just rattle off, like go through, if you're going through your recordings, just share a bunch of old uh, Brett Brownisms from the yeah, years. Brett Brown comps. Yes, yes. All that stuff, all the weird stuff you used to say, like, you know, title it, the, the stuff we're going to miss, you know, now that Brett Brown's got a better title than that. But along those lines, you know what I mean? That's not a bad idea. That is not a bad idea, Nick. Give I'm a little I'm good a- laugh. Oh, for sure. For sure, it's always worth a good laugh. I might go through that now. Nice, nice. All right, so we'll just kind of like wrap up Doc Rivers' talk before we kind of get into like other real quick NBA topics. But Doc Rivers for Philadelphia, what grade do you give it? I know I've been like kind of negative about it a little bit in some ways, especially starting off. But I think actually the end of it all, I give it a – they got the best guy that's available – um in general so i'm gonna give it a like objectively so i'm gonna give it a b plus i am i'm going to give it an a minus okay i'm gonna i'm gonna roll with an a minus just because again i feel like i feel like this philadelphia team can do everything that the boston teams did all they need is all they all they need to find is a sharpshooter they got to find their ray allen you know what Mm -hmm. i'm saying they have to find that guy who's going to be the sharpshooter and you know who knows maybe they'll find it in the draft they do have the 21st pick in this draft. They can look at a guy like Terrell Terry. They can look at Desmond Bain. They can look at um, Kara Lewis Jr. even, who, who I know mm. can shoot the ball. So, like, there are a, a couple of different options. They can even trade up even if they want to go after, like, a Sadiq Bay from Villanova or something. So, mm-hmm. 
there, there are options for Philadelphia in the draft. And if not, they can always, you know, go into free agency, go after a guy like Langston Galloway, who literally all he does is shoot. He shot the ball well for a very bad Pistons team. So you can bring Galloway in there, have him, you know, go to Ben Simmons, be great for them. So I feel like the Sixers team can do the same thing under Doc Rivers that the Celtics did. They can go deep into the playoffs. They're going to be a great defensive team. And I feel like Rivers gets the most out of his guys. I am not going to put too much stock in them blowing a 3-1 lead this year just because of everything that went down with Paul George uh, afterward and the, you know, the locker room being just as weird as it is. And, and really, like, that whole roster, Nick, if you want to look at that Clipper roster, was filled with, like, the most weirdest personalities in, in all of the NBA, if we're going to be completely honest. Yeah, they, I, you know, I'm, I've been a big Paul George guy for a while. I mean, since the pre-PG-13 days, because I loved, like, Paul – honestly, I feel like ever since he became PG-13, when he yeah. changed his number, yep. he has been, like, rated R. He's just gone off the yeah. rails. Yeah. And it and it's and I'm not like making jokes about you know, the 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 depression that he's dealing with or whatever, but I just feel like everywhere he's gone, he's just not lived up to the hype that even I like I hold him to maybe too high of a standard. I don't know. It's it's it's, it's disappointing, but yeah. The minute he called himself Playoff P, the when, the minute. When did he do that? With Oklahoma City. I didn't know that, and I wish I didn't know that. That is embarrassing. I was pissed when he when he left to to go to the Clippers too. Honestly, like he, he, I thought you were going to stay there and you, you had something with Russ, but whatever. It's just he's a, he's a frustrating player who, of course, I for some reason really like. I don't know what it is, but yeah, I think it was in his first playoff run with the Thunder. He said, "Y'all are going to get introduced to playoff P," and and then he and then it was like, "Wow, dude, you lost to the Jazz, who were like the young Jazz." You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Yep. That is that is bad. I mean, like he that, the thing that I liked about him so much was he played he obviously played really good defense. He could score too, but he was like the first guy that we saw in that like after the Celtics um, that kind of like stood up to LeBron and, and especially at his height. It was yep. like I'm not scared of you. I'm not yep. backing down. Let's you know let's freaking go. Like let's do and, it. And 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 like what have you done with that? Like he's like that's all he's basically been. And I I still I still hold on to that. So I'm as guilty as anybody of it. But it's just it's been disappointing. I, I know he was like an MVP candidate what last year, but it's just he was. It's and defensive player of the year candidate. I think too. He was finished third in both of them. So it's, but still it's just I want more. I expect more. Like how you have Kawhi Kawhi who uh, I know the Raptors went and showed everybody last year. It wasn't just Kawhi. But right. come on, like you, it's just I, I, all the other stuff. Be damned! That's around. Like you just you, that shouldn't have happened. No disrespect to the Nuggets, it shouldn't have happened. Right? No, it shouldn't have happened. And then, and then when I go back to 2015, really the Clippers had it in Game Six. They were up big at home, and then the worst three-point shooter of all time, Josh Smith, makes like four threes in the mm. second half, real randomly. Like Josh Smith is like the worst three-point shooter. I, I have ever seen, and then this dude makes like three threes in the fourth quarter, and then Corey Brewer is scoring like twenty points a game, like they, like the most flukiest stuff happened for the Rockets to come back and win that series. It wasn't even hard. Josh Smith can yam though. Sure, he he yes. can't shoot threes. <laughs> no, but he could yam. That dude could throw down. But yes, you're absolutely you're absolutely right about three point shooting. But look, is it, but Kai at some point. You got to look at Doc and all this too, because you how do. many times it have to happen? Like if you're that good, eventually, the, like it doesn't happen to you over and over and over again. It, it, how- listen, I, I get it, because you can even go back to 03 too. 
uh, when he when he was coach of the Magic. The eight seed Magic had a three one lead on uh, Detroit in, in the round one of 03. And the Pistons came back and beat them. And that was kind of the beginning of, you know, the Piston run that they had. But Dynasty, right? I mean, listen, they made six straight Eastern Conference Finals. They won one title. I can hang my hat on that. So, <laughs> but I think Rivers can kind – I think Rivers' experience, though, and all of that can really help this Philadelphia team. Because if you really think about it, Philadelphia, they're still a young team. People think that the Sixers are like, oh, they need to win a championship right now. And it's like, no, Ben Simmons is 24. Joel Embiid is 26. They've, MB's been league for four years. Ben's been league for three. Like, it, you don't win a championship this early is, is basically what I'm trying to say. Right. The only issue, the only thing I get worried about with the Sixers, because the same thing is going on up here in Boston, right? Everybody's talking about either it's, you know, the Celtics were a disappointment because they didn't, you know, beat the Heat, which they are. But the other thing, everybody's like, well, they're still so young. Jalen's 23, Tatum's 22, which is true. But you know, Jalen, you have locked in for the next four years. So he's on a, con- a contract extension and everything. Tatum, you're expecting he's going to sign that, uh, that you know, the, the rookie extension and everything. With Ben Simmons, yeah, I know he's, he just got paid too, but I, I'm sure in some capacity, like especially with the way things have gone with, with, with Brett Brown, and again, how rough Sixers fans can get, especially on Simmons, it seems like, at least on Twitter, like, I would think there's got to be some concern with, like, you have to win now because how much longer is he going to put up with that, you know, the BS from the fans? You, Tatum and Brown don't get it in the same capacity up here. Not right. yet, at least. Right. Not, yeah. So that's why I get that concern, like that sense of urgency, like it needs to happen. But whereas if Simmons is fine, he likes Philly, he likes the money and likes the lifestyle, whatever, then, I mean, yeah, I could easily see it being – three years we're talking about the Sixers and the Celtics being the force of the East again. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely going to be interesting to see. I think Doc Rivers will, will be terrific in Philadelphia. And then I think Boston's in good hands with Tatum and Brown too, though. I mean, losing to Miami is whatever, but you know, this was also a whatever kind of year. It was really weird. Now we're going to kind of wrap it up with NBA finals talk. Just real quick. Are the, are the Lakers are Lakers going to sweep this series? Are, are, are the Heat getting swept? I think I originally predicted it as six or five. I think five is what I predicted it at, just to be courteous. Yeah. I would like to see – obviously, at my heart, I want to see the Heat kick their friggin' ass. But sure. I, I don't – that's not going to happen. I mean, and you're losing, you know, Goran Dragic's dealing with a plantar fasciitis thing, and then Bam's banged up, whatever the heck he's – it was a neck, a neck strain. Yeah. The next strain. I mean, you don't have band, you're screwed. And then Jimmy Butler's got a wrap on. They're going to fight to the bitter end. But For sure. even then, if they were healthy, Kai, this is just – I'm not trying to take it away from the Lakers because the Clippers weren't there to stop them, and that's the Clippers' own damn fault. Um, and, and, and Jamal Murray and, and Jokic, you know, give them credit. But once the Lakers got here, like you I, – I think everybody knew, you know, I don't want to say the NBA's fixed, but Kobe, this is the year Kobe passed away, right, tragically – um, and then the pandemic, LeBron's the one who's trying to, you know, who's leading the league to, to continue playing and power through everything and yada, yada, yada. And he's LeBron, you know, the Lakers are finally a legit team again. The NBA wants to see him win, but they're also just the better team at the end of it too. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. You got Anthony Davis and LeBron James who are, I think they're both averaging 25 a game in these playoffs. So it, it's, right. it's like, it's like, what, what can you really do? At that point. And then they hit 11 threes in the first half of game one. Oh, yes. And obviously very good. Like I'm not saying that they're not, I'm just, but there's also like, there's, 
it's too perfect of a script. Like, here's the other thing, Kyle, Kyle full disclosure. It's like my, my dad's era of Celtics fans grew up hating the Sixers, right? I never had that when I grew up because I did grow up a Celtics fan. Right. Um, I never, but I always could not stand the Lakers. As much right. as when I was a kid, the Celtics sucked. and They didn't really deal with Lakers. I still knew the rivalry and I hated them. So I, I, I'll be critical of the Sixers um, as much as I try to be an objective reporter when it comes to things. But when it comes to Lakers, like I tweeted out like uh, during game one, I get physically ill watching the Lakers play when they're doing well. Like it's, it's the Laker gold really pisses me off. So like no disrespect to Shaq and Kobe. They were awesome and everything, but I don't like the Lakers. Like it's just that franchise. It's like the Yankees for me. It's the same thing. Hey man, if it makes you feel any better, they're going to be wearing the black jerseys in game two. They're going to bring out the black Mamba jerseys. And yeah. more people will be black. Like if it makes you feel any better. <laughs> yeah, it's still, it's still like, like I have no, like I have no problem putting like my childhood fandom aside when it comes to teams that I liked the teams right. that I dislike is it's like, they're still like the, uh, maybe that's the Boston to me. I don't know, but I can't, I just can't with the Lakers. Just like, oh, listen, I get it. I totally get it, man. So I, I said Lakers in six at the beginning of this series. It's a sweep, dude. But if Goran Dragic is out and Bam Adebayo is out and Jimmy Butler's banged up, then I will give Miami one game because I refuse to think Eric Spolstra and his two and his team are going to go out like that. But yeah, I mean, I mean, it's over. Like, like the Lakers are the Lakers are going to kick their butt. Like, it's 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 not going to be pretty either. I mean, if my the one game Miami wins might be some Jimmy Butler game winner at the buzzer because he's Jimmy. But that's the only way I really see it. They're going to fight like dogs, and Spolstra is an amazing coach, and I know I was someone who was critical of him, especially when, you know, he got LeBron. It's like, oh, he's got LeBron. Like, okay, then afterwards realized how impressive it was, you know, managing um, all-star talent and, you know, the egos and everything. Or, I'm sorry, superstar talent in the egos. So I gave him credit there, but now we've seen what he did, to, especially what he did to the Celtics. My, and then the Bucks before that, I, my respect for him has gone is like through the roof. I, I think very highly of him, but – these guys are all banged up. You need everybody at perfect health for Miami. It doesn't matter if, if Bam and Dragic play the rest of the series, that's fine. If they're not at perfect health, then, then they're screwed. There's exactly. No I mean, it is what it is. It sucks. It sucks. But, I mean, mm-hmm. I mean it, injuries are part of the game. Mask LeBron in 2015, right? I mean, it's like, that, that's kind of they the way are. it goes. Yeah, it's not to discredit the Lakers. I mean, I still thought the Lakers were going to win the series. It, it, even without all the conspiracy theory type stuff I'm throwing out there, I still thought the Lakers were going to win this series. But it's just, and that's why, you know, I wish the Celtics were there because not just because, you know, then I'm so busy writing about them. It's just that the, the Celtics had a ch- could have had a chance. Yeah, I, feel like, I do feel like Boston would have had a better shot. They had more, more talented roster, but the, the Heat were the better team in that series. They deserved to get where they did. They outworked the Celtics on a nightly basis. No, nah, I mean, listen, without a doubt, 100% agree. But with that, with that note, we're going to have to end the Bell Ringer podcast. So, because Joel Embiid just tweeted that uh, he, he's welcoming Doc Rivers to Philadelphia on Twitter. So, you know, I got to get to that. So, you know. Get after it, brother. You know, Sixers wire things. Sixers wire things. So for Nick Fryer, thank you so much. And for anybody who wants to check out Nick's work, you can also check him out on our sister site, NetsWire, because he handles the Brooklyn Nets over there and all the amazing things Kyrie Irving brings to the table in terms of content over there for the Nets. Also, as we mentioned, Nick also does cover the Boston Celtics for WEEI up there in Boston. Nick, I thank you so much for taking time out of your day to discuss Doc Rivers coming to the 76ers. I appreciate you, man. Of course. Anytime, brother. And with that, we're out. We'll see you guys next time on the Bell Ringer. Bell Ringer.